0: Good morning, everyone. Enjoy your cup of coffee. Warm up. My teacher's speaking. <laughs> Warm up on this uh, Boca frigid morning. Oh, we are in the Shiva Shalom Yisodei Torah. <laughs> Still going through the Maimar Aleph on Emuna. We're on Otes letter Tess, on page Mem Zayim, page forty-seven. Everyone have it. Does anybody else read that? As always, we dedicate our learning. Lila Nishma Shendel Bas Chaim Shaul Neshama should have an OF. Last week we took a break from this, we discussed Purim. Hope everyone had a Purim, a wonderful Purim. Yeah. And uh, we're back to what we were studying before. There are many paths towards acquiring emuna. There's not just one way to live with emuna. there are many paths. So the Islamic Rabbi says, at its essence, at its core, in fact... We have 613 paths towards Emuna. Each of the mitzvot is an opportunity to connect us back to Hashem. So if you think about and you tap into the energy that's inherent and implicit within every mitzvah, if you understand the deeper reason, the deeper meaning, the ta meha mitzvot, then the mitzvah is not just some external act that you're doing in order to be Yote. You're not discharging some obligations that you could say, check, but you're rather using it as a means, as an opportunity to connect, to connect. So when my wife says to me, could you take out the garbage on your way out? You could look at it as, took out the garbage, check this menial base obligation and task. Or you could say, taking out the garbage is now a channel, it's now a medium through which to connect to my wife. If I do it, I show that I cared about what she asked. I care about what she wanted. I care about being her partner. If I say no, your problem, no I don't have time, no somebody else should do it, then I've missed that opportunity to connect. So something as mundane as taking out the garbage can either be a mundane burden or one can view it as an opportunity for a connection, building a relationship, a reminder about who you care about. And the same is true, I don't want to compare the mitzvahs to, uh, I don't want to compare the mitzvahs to taking out the garbage. But the same is true with the mitzvahs. One can view them as burdens and obligations that confine you and restrict you and limit you. Or one can view them as opportunities. I'm lighting the Shabbos candle, it's a reminder about peace, and Hashem is the one who brings peace and light that came into the world. I'm making a bracha before I eat food, it's a reminder about not taking for granted where this food came from, and that I have the ability to taste it and to digest it, and what a bracha food is in my life. Whatever the mitzvah is, and we have 613 of them, at their core, each one connects us in a different way, but at their core, the mitzvahs are reminders. They are opportunities to reconnect to Hashem. One should remember the specific um, recommendations, ideas, suggestions about how to strengthen emuna. Emuna requires reinforcement, re-energizing, refocusing. It's a work which is never, ever, ever done. And to be among those for whom Amunah is... To, to seek amuna, to look for amuna, to work on amuna is something which comes naturally. It doesn't even require you to stop and, and to think about it. It should be the thing that you turn to naturally. You know, um, I've been taking uh, tennis lessons with Mike. So, you know, he'll say, to you, you, hit a, you hit a shot, you got to run in. You put the other person on the defensive, you got to run in. Didn't you see the way I did that? I said, to Mike... <coughs> You know, when I drive from here to Miami, I get to Miami, I don't even remember leaving Boca. I don't remember stepping on the gas pedal, I don't remember stepping on the brake, I don't remember turning the wheel. I don't, it's all natural, I get there. But my daughter's learning to drive, and from the driveway to the end of the block, you know, she remember, each time I remember every time she stepped on the brake and the gas pedal. The, because, yeah, once it's second nature to you, it comes naturally, you don't even have to think about it, it's the way you react. But me, I'm still hitting the ball and going, oh, what does Mike want me Oh, running now, running there, go here, now do that. So, you know, it's like driving. Do you get to the other place? In your sleep, you could drive. Sometimes, in your sleep, literally, you drive it. Not mine, your sleep, don't worry. Never, literally. <laughs> in your sleep, you drive to the other place, you know, versus the person who's first learning it. So that's what the Slummer Rabb is saying. The notion of reacting to whatever life throws your way with Emunah, we should train ourselves to be people that it happens in our sleep. When you're beginning the process of working out Emuna, you gotta go, oh, I was about to get stressed out. Hold on, let me remember. I go to a class, I read a book, I subscribe to WhatsApp, I'm on thirteen emails about Emuna. Oh yeah, I'm supposed to have Amuna right now. I have to remind myself, step on the brake, run into the net. I have to remind myself. But one works on that and works on that and works on that, one can get to a point where something stressful happens and your Amuna just kicks in. You don't even have to think about it. You go immediately to that Amuna place. There's Hashem. Everything is for a reason. This is not random. There's a purpose for all that's happening in my in my life. Then, and, and what he says, you have to work on it from when you're young until you're old. We've often given the parallel that a moon is a muscle. And one can never, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you stop moving, you'll atrophy. Your muscles will atrophy. So whether you're young to when you're old, you always have to be moving. Otherwise, the muscles atrophy. If they're not growing and being worked out, they're not being stretched then they're dying. And emunah is the same way. It doesn't matter what age you are. you are never arrived. You can never say, you know what? I worked out my entire life. I'm done. Give me a bag of potato chips and a cold beer. I'm sitting on the couch. I'm not moving ever again because I worked out for the last 80 years and now I'm sitting still. You can do that, but you'll never get up from that couch. So emunah is the same way. And if a person softens from their work, (coughs) if a person relies... On the fact that a moon is now implanted within them, <speaking in Hebrew> then you're going to be a partner and an accomplice to your own undoing. <speaking in Hebrew> Our rabbis, the first paragraph I will say, never have too much faith in yourself. In other words, never believe in yourself too much. It's the balance that Judaism always has. Believe in yourself enough. You have to have high self-esteem, high self-confidence. You have to believe in yourself. I've often quoted this, love your neighbor as yourself, begins, is predicated on, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. so what is it predicated on, that you first have to, you first have to love yourself, now we are a generation, that people excel at this, <laughs> loving themselves, I don't mean loving themselves, like narcissism, it doesn't mean loving yourself, like self being self-absorbed, it means loving yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Stop putting yourself down. Stop believing that you can't do it. Stop thinking that you're unworthy. All the Jewish neurosis. Stop doing all of those things. And v'yavtul Lorecha kamocha. Love yourself. Believe that you're at Selim alokim. You have to believe in yourself and you have to love yourself. So on the one hand, you have to believe in yourself and love yourself. But on the other hand, Chazal say, Alta ta'amein atzmacha. Don't have too much faith in yourself. You think you've arrived. You think you're done. You know, I... I we were talking about losing weight. I was talking to somebody who's on a diet right now. I said, oh, you're in the zone? I'm out of the zone right now. If you're a person, like Rabbi Moskowitz, he has no food. It doesn't mean anything to him. He eats what he has to do to live. And, and I'm so, it's just zero yetzahara. It's an unbelievable thing. I can't relate to him. He might as well be a Martian from out of space. I can't, <laughs> I can't relate to him. My whole life is a, is a battle. So sometimes you're in the zone where you're like, ugh, candy, chocolate. Who would eat that? What? Who would eat beyond when they're full? What? And then when you're out of the zone, you're just like, ah, what does it matter anyway, you know? So when you're in the zone, you you think it's permanent. Oh, I'm in the zone? This is it. It's it's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. I'm here forever. I'll never be tempted again. Oh, this is so rewarding. I don't even understand why other people wouldn't take care of themselves. What's the matter? It's so easy. Why wouldn't everybody do it? And you believe in yourself. And you let your guard down. And then you find yourself out of the zone. And it's a good thing you didn't give away your fat clothing because you're going to need it again. So... So Alta that's what Chazal say, when you're in the zone, alta amin Baatzmacha. Don't believe in yourself so much that you're there permanently. Life is cyclical. You work on being there permanently. You work on transforming yourself into Rabbi Moskowitz, but it's it's a lifelong battle. Alta amin. What? Nothing. Gornished. Yeah. Alta'amin Never believe in yourself, bless you too much. Person has to always know that know that they're vulnerable, that it could disappear. Someone who's in the program, the 12 Steps AA, the difference, I met yesterday with another director who's opening a new rehab. And our, our, Boca Raton is the capital of rehabs in the United States of America, maybe in the entire world. Mm-hmm. So once a week I meet with somebody who's opening a new rehab to tell me why their rehab is different than, than everybody else. And in the they're all doing wonderful work. So when you ask the success rate, they'll all tell you that the success rate is directly proportional to how much people work the system. You know, even in A even AA there's a mantra about work it it works you there's a whole if you go to meetings if you follow there's a very high success rate if you think you know what I've conquered it I'm done I'm no longer an alcoholic I'm no longer a drug addict I don't have to go to 3 meetings a week I could go to 2 I don't have to go to 2 I could go to 1 I don't have to go to 1 I'll go once a year those are the people who those are the people who go back those are the people who fall you have to and why I've been to 2AA meetings cuz I gave somebody Two people, medallions. It's an amazing thing, a great honor. They're, they're incredible. They're, they're absolutely incredibly inspiring. For another time, I can tell you years, about them. How many years do they? There's different. There's a month, six months, a year, ten years, and there's someone, someone in our shul has been it's close to 35 years. It's it's tremendous. Mm-hmm. You talk about Eza Gieber, Akovich, Yitzro. Th- these are mighty, mighty, mighty. That room is filled with people who are mighty. They are battling. They are fighting. It's awe inspiring. Why am I bringing it up? Because at an AA meeting, there's no great chidushim. There's no major breakthroughs. It's literally the same thing. People share, but you begin with a few mantras you say, you end with a few things that you say. It's the same thing. So why is it so? What's the secret? What's the secret? The answer is it's mindfulness. If you go three times a week, twice, once a week, every other week, and you're mindful, oh yeah, I have this issue. Oh yeah, I've never, I, I can never view myself as having conquered it. It is a lifelong battle. I can't conquer it, all I could do is manage it. And the same is the attitude that we have to bring towards lots of issues that we all have, and that's what Chazal were essentially saying: Alta ta'amein ba'atzmacha. Never think you've conquered. Never think you're done. Never think it's over. It is a lifelong battle, and that's true for amuna. Just when you think that you're the biggest Maiman, you should get the Eishes Chayil award. You should be honored at the shul dinner. You have the most amuna in the whole world. They should write an art school book about you. Just what, then, the next day, something bad happens, and there goes your amuna. You have some crisis, and with it a crisis of faith, some disappointment, and there goes the emuna. The person has to realize al ba'atzmacha. It has to always be worked. This is an incredible comment. Son Morava says, "How do we exhibit the knowledge that we've never conquered it, that we're never done, that we have to always work on it and, and, and be mindful of it? How do you show that?" By doing something which is paradoxical. Totally paradoxical. By davening to Hashem to help you with your amuna, That's ridiculous. Davening to Hashem to help you with your amuna, Your amuna is in Hashem. If you need help with your amuna, you don't really believe He's there. You don't really believe He listens to your davening. So you're going to daven to somebody. The whole problem is you're not sure you're going to daven to help solve the problem which, which presumes that you don't believe that you should daven. It's totally paradoxical. And yet it's so brilliant, it's so brilliant. Davin to Hashem. because when you davin to Hashem, you are exercising Emuna. So if you practice Emuna, then you'll feel Emuna. We've talked about this before: that love is a verb, it's not a noun. Emuna is a verb, not a noun. Emuna is not a way of its state of being. Emuna is a verb. Emuna is what you do when you're in traffic. What you do with the disappointment. When you do when something works out, and you want to express gratitude. What you do when you feel anxiety. What you do when you feel the. De- emuna is a verb. So, daven to Hashem is part of the verb. Turn to Hashem and ask Him for help with your emuna, and the result will be, just through the exercise of turning to Him for help, you will feel His presence more in your life. <laughs> And what our righteous, what our righteous uh, role models have taught us, this wonderful uh, etzah, this wonderful advice, which works like like a medicine for life, is to repeat a mantra, to literally verbalize and articulate faith in Hashem. In the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon, all day, to literally verbalize Emunah in Hashem. The Yid Gimel whether it's to open the sitter and read the Rambam's Yid which spell out the 13 principles of faith, or, as we've talked about from the Brisker Rav numerous times, and Yecheved recently bought, bought that for our home, I have to hang it, that beautiful sign over the piano, <laughs> Ein Od Mil Vado. You uh-huh. know, we've talked about it so much uh-huh. in class, uh-huh. she recently bought it,
1: uh-huh. that
0: this uh, Pasuk, Ein Oud Mil Vado. there is nothing but Hashem. Uh-huh. The Brisker Rav taught us, that when a person feels stressed, when a person feels in crisis, when a person feels desperate, when a person feels there's nowhere out, when they feel like last week we spoke about makom macher, the idea that that even when naturally it all seems that everything's been exhausted, that one should repeat the mantra enod milvado, einod milvado, enod milvado, einod milvado, and this is a and nimretas, makubal. This is a tried and true practice, says the slanam rebbe, of Amuna. That you don't just think it in your heart, but that you verbalize, you articulate emuna. Whether it's the Yid gemalikari or whether it's this uh, Ein Oud Mil Vado Mantra. He says, as we discussed earlier on the Pasuk, their emunah was lost, it was shut out from their lips. So why was their emunah lost? Because it stopped on being on their lips. She'einam chozrim b'piem emunah. Because when you stop talking about... So, you know, again, some are cynical about the Be'ezrus Hashem, Mirza Hashem, Chaste Hashem, Baruch Hashem, but we shouldn't be cynical about it, even though too many people say it mindlessly without really thinking about what they're saying. But the person who says it meaningfully, mindfully, when they say Be'ezrus Hashem, Chaste Hashem, Mirza Hashem, and they're using that conversation to connect back to Hashem, so it's on their lips. When do we risk losing our Amuna? When we stop talking about Hashem, out of sight, out of mind. Off the lips, out of mind. When it's on our lips, it's in our mind. When it's in our mind, then it trickles down from the mind. Gravity pulls it down to the heart. V'he'emanti ki'adaber. Ha'amuna bi The pasuk in Tehillim that we read in Hallel. I love this. ki ki'adaber. Says David HaMelech. You know why I have faith? Ki'adaber. Because I talk as if I have faith. Because I, I verbalize, because I communicate, because I say out loud that I believe in you. And that's when the Amun is the strongest. When you say holy mantras, holy words, they have a treasured impact. When a person says, I believe with complete faith, they awaken within them the light of amuna from Hashem. So the way to open up the window to Amunah, the way to implant it within ourselves, the way to really feel it, to cultivate it, is to speak about it. The more you talk about it, the more into it you are. You know, we have that with everything else in life. You're into a new, a new Jewish music artist, you're into a new song, you're into a book, you're into a stock, you're into a business opportunity. You know, you say, you'll say to someone, talk about it, you'll get excited about it. The more you talk about it, you know, I say, oh, I'm talking. You know, I'm getting real. The more we talk about this, the more excited I am about this. When you talk about something, it becomes real. When it becomes real, you get excited about it. So if you never talk about Amuna, it, it's something you hide. You keep it to yourself. You're embarrassed. You don't want to sound like an evangelical Christian. You don't want to sound like one of those fanatical Jews. You're embarrassed. You don't talk about it. Yeah, you're working on it in your heart, but you'll never acknowledge to anyone else. Thank you. You know, thank God. Or I, I, I've shared this before, also that. When I work with the evangelical community on advocating for Israel, the U.S.-Israel relationship, they, they talk about God all the time to the point that it's embarrassing. You're like, one second, I'm the rabbi. I'm, like the, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of the chosen people. Like, We're supposed to be teaching you. I once was meeting with a pastor who runs the, the, the Hispanic pastors across the country, hundreds of thousands, and we were discussing... We were strategizing about how to deal with a certain issue And he says to me You know Rabbi Let's pause for a moment Let's pray on it I was like It's like wow That never occurred to me That never occurred to me That we're not sure what to do Let's take a moment and pray Meaning let's ask God for some wisdom or insight Or to help us come to the right conclusion At first I was like What are you some weirdo And then I realized Wow that's what we're supposed to do That's amazing well, would you ever say that To somebody <coughs> You know what let's, let's pray on it Forget saying it To someone risky Like you know You're in a business meeting He says pray on it You know I'm saying it to your spouse You know What school should we send Our children to What camp should we send them to What's the decision That we have to make About the summer You know It could really go either way Who should we invite For Shabbos We're not sure what to do Let's in for a second You know what Let's take a moment And ask Hashem To give us some Would you Would you ever say that But that's what We're supposed to say <coughs> So heemanti kiadaber. So says David Hamelach. What increases? What promotes emuna? Adaber. talk about it. You get excited about it. Get excited about it. It becomes real. Odkosef, and the Yisodeh ha- Yisodeh Avoda also says. Amar Chazal Chayim Haim leMotza Eim leMotza Eim bePei Ashar Yidei Adibor Mas <laughs> Adom Medaberu Masim Mochav Alibo Akol Adibor Ayidei Ze Choser Veneir or Harishima Shalemuna Shleima. Whatever you say is where you place your heart. Whatever you put your heart on is what, is what you're going to concentrate on. And you open up by speaking with emuna, by talking with faith, by acknowledging Hashem in your life, you open up the eye of a needle, even a tiny eye. And when you've opened the eye of a needle, when you begin this tiny opening, Hashem widens it. It becomes like the opening of the Heich of the Ulam of the Vais HaMikdash, to a huge, huge room. Vasa BeKadosh HaMalkovich, z'chus yagen aleinu. Omer, kishish Yehudi Omer bepiv ani ma'amin, when a Jew says with their mouth, I believe, harim bepiv, they believe with their mouth. D'aynish Yehudi mechuyiv la'amin, b'choramach e'barav, kishish Omer b'piv, harim lafachos ma'amin bepiv. We're supposed to, we talked about the kolats mosai tomarna. A few weeks ago, we talked about the idea that we feel Amuna in our head, we feel Amuna in our heart, and then the third way we feel Amuna is with our limbs. Our entire being our entire being expresses that we believe. So you're not just supposed to believe intellectually, philosophically, theoretically. You have to literally believe. So when a person expresses Amuna with their mouth, you can at least say about them they have Amuna with their mouth. Odam when you say I believe you're also implicit within it is a tefillah Hashem help me believe so when you say Baruch Hashem you're asking Hashem help me really believe Baruch Hashem help me believe it you know you're not supposed to say Baruch Hashem for the good things how are you doing Baruch Hashem I won the lottery today how are you doing I have a flu Baruch Hashem <laughs> I know you don't like that. It's, uh, it's, you know, what kind of weirdo says that? But what you're saying, I have a flu, Baruch Hashem, means, I'm not enjoying this flu. I'm doing everything I can to recover from the flu. But if I have the flu, it's not random. What Baruch Hashem says, I have the flu, and it's not random. If you loosely translate the Baruch Hashem at the end of I have the flu, Baruch Hashem, if you translate it to, I have the flu, and it's not random, it's okay, because it's meant to be. That's what the Baruch Hashem means. You know, I have the flu, and Mirza Hashem, I'll get better. Baruch Hashem, I'm feeling better. Baruch Hashem, it's the worst of it right now, so soon I'll be feeling better. Whatever you have to say. But you're connecting the life experience. What you're saying is, and this is what we've talked about, the koach al the koach achilol, is that everything's random, everything's chance. A malik introduces doubt and uncertainty. And our obligation of Zachor, <coughs> of Al-Tishkach, our obligation to wipe out malik is to wipe out that verse, that, that voice of doubt and cynicism and uncertainty in our minds, and to say nothing is random. I have a cough? It's for a reason. Whatever happened? My flight was canceled? For a reason. <laughs> we say in the evening after Shema, We say in the evening after in Hashem Yesh Kapeda and so when we say at night, emes v'emunah, chok veloya avor. Emes, truth and emuna are a chok veloya avor. They are a rule that cannot be violated. What we're saying after we say shema, sh'mah is kabbalah solmachu sh'mayim. Sh'mah is we're accepting the yoke of heaven. We're accepting that there is a Hashem in the world. And we're accepting the fact that Hashem runs the world. And that nothing is random in the world. And right after we accept that, everything's from Hashem, we say that emunah, Ames v'amunah is a chok avor. I will not violate that amunah. Not under the most trying circumstances, and not only, not under the best circumstances where people are tempted to forget. It's a chok v'lo y'avor. I will not abandon, I will not violate that amuna. She'en b'chol, in yana yavod as Hashem, yesh k'peidash, lo'l dabir azman shalibobal imao, wal ames v'amunah, t'sarach liyos ke chok One of the slalom says, person has to do actions and activities which promote and reinforce emuna. Whatever habits you've created, whatever rituals you've created for yourself, you ingrain them within you. If you create, there's tremendous research on this, Google it later, about what percentage of our daily activities are the results of habits and patterns. Are you, you know, did you get up right away or did you hit the snooze alarm? Were you on time to this class or did you come late? Will you go from here And eat the chocolate cake Will you overcome the urge To eat the chocolate cake It's not like 70% Of the decisions That you'll make in the day Have already been made for you By the habits That you've formed in your life I mean think about it Most people are not Sometimes on time And sometimes late Sometimes eat the chocolate cake And sometimes are good Sometimes they're Sometimes they snooze And sometimes they jump out of bed They are what they are And they form those habits Now that's the bad news Is that you're a creature of habit But here's the good news form good habits and you have a great life. So changing the habit is the hard work. Takes 30 days they say to change a habit. There's all kinds of books and suggestions and research and tools and trainers and coaches how to change your habits because once you change the habit, now you've ingrained that to be your new habit. Now I'm an on-time person. Now I go to sleep early. Now I jump out of bed in the morning. Now I don't. You can learn to conquer (coughs) apropos what we said earlier. Even when you think you changed a habit, you can always revert back. Never be overly confident that it's changed forever. But we have that ability. So, create the habit to daven betsibor, create the habit to set aside time for Torah learning, create the habit to do chesed, create the habit to do good things. Those become the habits of your life. So it says the Be'er Avraham, previous Slonim Rebbe, that because we are creatures of habit, he knew this without likely reading the research. But because we are creatures of habit, emuna is one of the things that we can create a habit for. Do the things that promote emuna: davening, saying to Einod Milvado, offering a tefillah, you know, Rav Pinkis has in Sha'ar and He says, if you believe in Amuna, if you believe with Amuna, then every time you hear the siren of a police car or an ambulance, you wouldn't just you know, be a voyeur who's curious to see what's going on, but you'd stop and you'd say, Perek of Tehill, I have a sister in law Yerushalayim, Yichavet's sister who does this. She did years ago, I assume she still does. Whenever you hear an ambulance, you say, Perek of Tehill, why? But Rav Pinkis says, if you had somebody who was sick, and you could intervene on their behalf, whether you were a medic who knew what to do, or you could introduce them to a medic who could help them, and they were in crisis at that moment. And you just said, huh, isn't that interesting? They're passed out on the sidewalk. Oh, look at that, they're choking over there on the corner. And you had the capacity to intervene and you didn't. So you're a cruel, cruel person. So once you hear an ambulance siren, you know that someone in that moment is in crisis, and you have the ability to intervene. So either you don't believe in God, you don't believe that davening works, or you don't really care about that person. Whatever the reason is, you're not a very good person. So I'm not talking about we should paralyze our lives by spending the entire day you know, outside the ambulance station and then saying to Hillam each time an ambulance rolls out. It, Rapinkis is just giving us an example of a heightened sensitivity that if you believe, if you have Amuna and you believe, then that's going to impact your daily life. So a siren goes off, an ambulance passes you, you now can intervene, you know a medic. You have access to the doctor who can help that person. So whether it's an entire parak of Tehillim or you just say, Rufu Say, okay. Rezvez Hashem. Chaste Hashem. Hashem show your chesed to that person. You're talking about .01 seconds. But that activity, forget what it does on behalf of the person in crisis, who your tefillah could make all the difference. But think about what it does for you. That even though you were just driving a car, even though you were going for a jog, even though you were walking the carriage, you heard the siren, it was a point of amunah. You made contact with Hashem. Oh yeah, Hashem, you run the world. Hashem, you're going to determine the outcome of that siren. Oh yeah, Hashem, please intervene. I care about you. I think about you. I believe in you and I care about that person. So that's the example of Pincus Gives. It seems a little extreme, but it is along the lines of what Islam Rebbe here is saying is we create patterns and habits that promote amunah. So, I don't know, you don't hear sirens that often. Once a week, once okay. a month, a yeah. couple times a week. We yeah. don't right. Wherever you hear sirens, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you hear those sirens. But if you created the habit, if you created the pattern and the habit that every time you heard a siren, you say, Hashem, Hashem show your chesed. Again, 0.01 of a second. That is a habit of Emunah. There, there can't help but be a result which is positive towards Emuna. Yes, read it. I'm to spend use Gamzula Tova, there was a one of the great rabbis of the Gemara. Yeah. Nacham, his nickname was Nacham Ish Gamzu. Why was his nickname Nachum Ish Gamzu? Because he used to always say, Gamzula Tova. Whatever happened his house burnt down, Tova. <laughs> this too is for the good. Everything is for the good. Everything is for the best. You know, the story about the chickens and the tent burnt down and the robbers and the kiva's like, outside the was village. Gamzula <clears throat> So that was Reb Nochem and your mother's uh, nickname. Gamzu. <laughs> Everything is Gamzu. Yeah, Gamzula Tova. Gamzula Tova. You know, last week, somebody was very kind on Erev Shabbos. They dropped off. People know the way, as, as is evident from this class, that the weight of my heart is through my stomach. So somebody dropped off on Friday... Out of nowhere, just a thing of ribs. You know, I like ribs. Shabbos happened to have been. It was Shabbos. Was a crazy time. Somebody tragically passed away. I hadn't eaten the whole day, so I sat down to eat, and I I heated up this thing of ribs. And it was it was in like half an inch of sauce. I picked up the rib. My shirt. My time set right in the spot. I picked up the rib and it slipped out of my hands. It dropped right into the sauce. I was covered. When I say covered in oily, saucy okay, so so I was like, ah, <laughs> it's what it's it's a tie, it's a shirt, they Directly can be cleaned. It has to make a too. They can be cleaned, <laughs> even if they can't be cleaned, so You're what is shirt. it? It's just money. They just come from the hospital where someone passed away. A tie you tear Korea to show. Right. You know what the Okay. So you could either flip out and you could be angry. I don't know who you're going to be angry at. The guy who made you the ribs? The microwave? The only one to be angry at is yourself. You're the moron who should have taken it out of the sauce, put it on a plate. Don't let it slip out of your hand. Put on a bib. Do something. So most people, instead of being angry at themselves, they'd yell at somebody else. So it's a Gamzula Tova moment. Oh, Gamzula Tova. I don't know why, but this too, Gamzula Tova. This too. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. You know what? Actually, we're going to stop here because I have to run to another funeral. So um, we'll stop here. Mir Shem. We're going to pick it up next week. I'll double check that, but I'll send out the email. Mir Shem, will pick it up next week.